I didn't think there'd be vampires on campus. We must have been at about 40,000 feet when it happened. <gasps> what was that? You are the Slayer. One girl in all the world. Did anybody say that? Yeah. Guess what? I feel better. Guys, where are we? Hi, Pat. Hey, Sammy. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I am doing great. Big show today. Big show. I am so excited. This is our first ever Buffy-only episode. Yes. And our first ever guest star episode. So we did the math and we realized there are 23 more Buffy episodes than Lost. Yeah, yikes. So we're going to (laughs) be... Sorry about it. (laughs) So we're going to be peppering a few Buffy-only episodes here and there. And because this is a season one finale, we just figured we'd start here. Yeah. So to celebrate the season one finale and our first ever Buffy-only episode, we have a special guest, my friend Kathleen Shannon, the co-founder and creative director at Braid Creative, which is a branding agency for entrepreneurs and organizations. She's the author of Being Boss, Take Control of Your Work and Live Life on Your Terms, a book I have read multiple times and reread at various times throughout the year and whatever's happening in my career. It's dog-eared and highlighted all over. (laughs) And like me, Kathleen has been a Buffy fan since the beginning. Say hi, Kathleen. Hi. Hi, Sammy. Hi, Pat. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to just talk about Buffy. I know. So, Kathleen... How the heck do we know each other? We know each other. Did we meet on a Being Boss vacation? We did. In New Orleans or Miami? We met in New Orleans, but I also went to Miami. So I think I was actually at the first New Orleans one. Okay, so for context for your dad who doesn't listen to the show or yes. anyone else. So I used <laughs> to be the co-host of a podcast called Being Boss. And it was all about talking about, you know, managing your own creative entrepreneur career. And so all of the tips and tricks and habits and routines that we've learned along the way in working for ourselves. And I um, was the co-host of that show with my partner, Emily Thompson. And every year we decided like, hey, let's go on a vacation and invite some of our listeners. So it'd be like if the two of you were like, hey, let's go to New Orleans together and see if any of our listeners want to come join us. Well, 75 people came to join us. So before we knew it, we had a conference. But I specifically remember the second year we had it in Miami and we rented a yacht. (laughs) It's actually a flat bottom dinner boat but whatever we were calling it a yacht Seemed we like rented a yacht, a yacht <laughs> for all the bosses on the trip and it was a big party and I think I specifically remember Sammy we were dancing in this like dancing room on this yacht and I feel like that's where we really started talking about Buffy and yeah. I feel <laughs> like it was almost a spiritual psychic connection like are you a Buffy fan or maybe I overheard you and Jem talking about I think so yeah Buffy and I was like wait what are you guys talking about I mean I'm like pretty much always trying to talk about Buffy with anyone so (laughs) hence why I'm on this podcast (laughs) that's just my latest victim (laughs) okay wait so I have a couple of questions okay before we really dive in is that okay can I ask a question yeah I just want to say one more thing though about that yacht trip so right after that we I, I think you and I just decided that we wanted to do the Titanic I don't know if we're supposed to say this because I think technically we could have gotten in trouble. Maybe we did. I think we got yelled at. Oh, like off the bow of the boat? Yeah. So so Kathleen (laughs) Kathleen was was Jack and I was Rose. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was magical. That is hilarious. <laughs> I'm constantly getting in trouble for doing things like that. Yeah. Titanic. Um, yes. But it's funny because I hate getting in trouble. I'm such a rule follower. I hate getting in trouble, but I love pretending like I'm on the Titanic. <laughs> it's a real conundrum. <laughs> Truly. Okay, so here's my Buffy questions. Okay. And I apologize if you covered this in the first episode. Feel free to breeze by. But yeah. Sammy, how old were you whenever Buffy came out? So it was in 1997. Yeah, so I was, I basically turned 10 in between the the 11th and 12th episodes. Okay, and were you watching it in real time? Yeah, I don't know that I caught like the first and maybe even the first couple of episodes, but I definitely remember watching the season finale in real time. And as I was telling Pat, we've definitely had conversations in the past about how one of my grandmothers on my my grandmother on my mom's side was a big horror film addict. And so she would watch like horror films when she was babysitting me and I was like very, very little. So I have these memories of like, really bad Stephen King films that I should not have been watching at like four, five, whatever. Um, Same. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre whenever I was six years old. Oh, Inappropriately wow. young. Now that Jeez. I have a kid, I'm like, ah, that shouldn't have been going down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then my next question, and then we can dig in. I'm not trying to hijack your podcast. No, please no. do. But my next question is, how many times have you watched season one of Buffy? Oh, wow. I don't know. Um, Baker's dozen. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, probably not that many times because I will be honest, while I disagree, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later, that you can, you know, I don't think you can skip season one, like, of watching Buffy in its entirety. Once you've seen it, I think it's okay to sort of skip around. So I usually, if I start rewatching Buffy, I tend to start like mid season two or season three. Cause those season three is my favorite. Um, and we'll talk about that when we get to season three, but mm. I probably have seen season one in its entirety, maybe like three or four times if that like this being the third or fourth so i started watching buffy i was trying to remember i would have been 15 so the same Mm -hmm. age as the kids whenever buffy came out in real time and i remember we watched it as a family a little bit but we didn't catch every episode and i want to say that we maybe fell off of it because of season one but a Mm. few things for context One, my family was an avid, all my children watching family. So we would record it on the VCR and all watch it together after my parents got home from work and we were home from school. We would all watch that day's episode of this soap opera, All My Children, together. That's adorable. And fun fact, Sarah Michelle Gellar was Susan Lucci, who played Erica Kane's daughter. Yes. So it's funny, whenever we started watching Buffy, we were like, oh my gosh, that's Erica Kane's daughter, who was like kind of this, she was was a little, I mean, everyone on a soap opera is a little bit crazy. Yeah. And then the other thing that kind of colored it, and it's important to mention, because you forget, Buffy has become such a phenomenon apart from the movie, that Buffy fans think of them as separate things. But you have to remember in real time, We had seen the movie a few years earlier. Right. And 
you didn't really know like wait is this a continuation of the movie it's not the same and everyone is so in love with Christy Swanson was that her name who played Buffy it just seemed like a big disconnect right and so that colored a lot of it but then I really got into Buffy in college so I was probably a sophomore in college which now at the time I felt so old now it's like (laughs) you know just a grown-up high schooler so really still in the same age range (laughs) And I remember after art school, I would go home and I would buy a bucket. There was this Starbucks brand ice cream at the time, and it was bigger than a pint, but smaller than a gallon. I know exactly the ice cream that you speak of, and it is (laughs) the best ice cream ever. It was so good. (laughs) It was so good. And I would get this like double chocolate chunk coffee ice cream, this larger than a pint, smaller than a gallon bucket of it. (laughs) (laughs) And I started to eat it every time I was watching Buffy. And then, you know, whenever you connect things and then you become like Pavlov's dog. And so then I had to have this ice cream every time I watched Buffy. I got my hands on the DVD box sets. So it was whenever it was coming out by season. Yep. My boyfriend at the time coming home and I was sitting in our living room eating this bucket of ice cream. And he was like, what are you watching? Are you watching (laughs) Buffy? And I felt like he was kind of judging me for it. He was real cool and was going to open a record store and kind of rejected pop culture. Like just too cool Mm. for it. Yeah. And maybe a week later, I came home from school one day and he was totally binging on Buffy. So then we got into it together and really got into like the whole Buffy universe and then the whole just Joss Whedon world. So that's kind of my Buffy history. But I I will also say I've gone back and probably rewatched Buffy as a whole maybe two or three times, but never went back to season one. So this is to say... I had forgotten a lot of it. I've also had a baby since then, which some people know, like it just uh, erases your mind. Like you forget everything, at least me. I feel like I cannot remember anything. Me neither. I can't can't remember last (laughs) week's episode. I have no idea what I'm saying on this podcast ever. And then I go to edit and I said, I said that? What's (laughs) happening to my brain? Did you watch Firefly? Like, have you gone into those? obsessed with Firefly. I will say, like, of the whole Joss Whedon universe, I feel like Firefly is probably my favorite. Yeah. You have to watch it, Pat. You will will. love it so much more than Buffy. I mean, I know that's probably a low bar for you, but but you will love Serenity because you like space stuff, you like Western, or Serenity and Firefly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is actually getting me pretty excited for the for the future seasons of Buffy because I am warming to Buffy. Like as the season progresses, this episode is a little different. We'll get to that. Okay. Mm. But, but just hearing what Kathleen is saying about the rest of the seasons, that makes me excited to get into these seasons. I was thinking about you, Pat. I mean, I was thinking about the both of you and I've listened to a couple of your episodes and I thought, I wonder if it's kind of like, you know, whenever you make a new friend and then they friend you on Instagram or Facebook and then you look at all of your photos through the lens of their eyes and you're yeah. like, oh, what do they think about me seeing these photos? <laughs> yeah. I kind of wondered if you had any of that, Sammy, in rewatching season one and talking about it with Pat, if you were like, oh. I have no shame when it comes to this show. This is my favorite show. Nothing can ruin that for me. 
Yeah. And Pat has tried a couple of times. I've tried many times to break her if down anything, and be like, it makes it stronger. Can't you see the flaw in this scene? And then she totally flips it on the head and I say, okay, you know what? That makes sense. Well, I think one thing that you can look forward to, and I'm not giving anything away, but I think that you will start to see the arcs. Right now in season one, there's a lot of episodic. It's almost you could watch it episode by episode. Yeah, totally. I forget what that's called, but almost like Law and Order, right? Where each episode's almost a standalone. Yeah. But I think that as you go, you'll start to see arcs within the seasons and then arcs from season to season and you'll start to realize what a story crafter and mastermind Joss Whedon is. Yeah. And that's what I really look forward to you getting to have that experience. And plus it just finding its voice a little bit more. And you know what's funny? I haven't seen any of Lost. Pat, listening to the episodes, I almost thought, well, maybe I should. Yeah, you should. Give it a go. <laughs> it's great. You got to jump in, Kathleen. It's a fantastic show. But I've also heard show. that they they still don't know how it ends. I haven't even seen the ending myself. Oh. I've seen all the seasons. I haven't seen the last season because I dropped off in the last season. And then everybody, you know, there was so much commotion about it. And I wasn't able to finish the last season. So I'm actually really looking forward to the last season. <laughs> To see what okay, actually you know happens what after this many with? years. I did that with Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar, like, have you all watched it? No. I heard oh, it's fantastic. You <laughs> would be into it, the both of you. Yeah. So I, I was really I like sci-fi. I don't like space stuff. Yeah. I don't like space and sci-fi for the most part. I do, except, though. Like, Firefly is the exception for me. Strong female lead being Starbuck. She's that's, a badass. Okay, that's like. But really it kind of became like a circus. I can't remember if I've seen the end and it was just a circus, so it was not very memorable, and I mm. felt like it wasn't really tied up very well. Or, I think like you, Pat, I was going into college, or you know, some sort of big life phase. Yeah, that something took happens. Me away from yeah, either cable or the ability to watch it. That's me and The Crown. <laughs> right, yeah. My wife keeps trying to get me to watch that and I haven't agreed yet. I was like, I have too many shows I have to watch. Lost and Buffy. <laughs> I know, and you're and you're a movie guy. I'm so a movie guy, So this is really painful for you. <laughs> yeah. I actually just wanted to say one more thing. I completely forgot to mention this when we were talking about Being Boss, but I have been on Being Boss. So I was on episode 117 where I was talking about um, my business, Floor Apothecary, as a side hustle and god i don't even remember when we recorded that 2017 i think it was and now you know three years later i'm self-employed and i have two businesses so amazing okay so should we dive into season one episode 12 yeah let's get into it we're talking season one episode 12 prophecy girl Original air date is June 2nd, 1997, and this one was written and directed by Joss Whedon. All right, so some of your predictions that are relevant to this or are kind of like longer term. Your prediction from episode two is the master is looking for some fresh blood to get stronger. Probably probably at the end of the season, Buffy will have to face him. That will likely be the season finale. Boom. The master is Nailed going. It. Yep. The master is going to get some sort of reinforcements, probably pull them out of his blood well. Yeah. Or an alternate dimension or portals and build up an army because he knows Buffy is not to be trifled with. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Word for word, your prediction. Xander will keep getting friend zoned by Buffy. It'll be maybe three seasons before they accidentally kiss or something awkward happens, which leads them to kiss. The FBI is not actually part of the FBI. Snyder will be a thorn in their side for the next few episodes. Then the master will kill him in the finale. Ah, missed that one. Yep. We're going to get more naked Xander. I don't know why I decided to throw that one in here, but... That's okay. Just thought I should remind it's you about mentioning. that. <laughs> it's worth mentioning. It's worth mentioning. Buffy will have a vamp face again, but it will go back to normal, so it will happen in some kind of nightmare or alternate reality situation. They will be perpetually in high school, never graduate, and go to college. Those are your long, kind of long-term running predictions. You have yep. some other ones that are more specific about each character, but I just didn't think that they were relevant I feel here. like my batting average on that list is pretty good. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Pat myself on the back here. Yeah, I know. We can't really we can't really weigh in on any of those, Kathleen. <laughs> uh-uh. Okay, wait. So in your high schools, what archetype would you have been casted at in the world of Buffy? Who would you have been? Great question. Um I wanna say Willow because I love Willow so much, but I am not smart enough to be Willow. So I don't think I would be any of the main characters, but I was definitely like a drama club nerd. Maybe I'd be, what's his, what was the kid's name from the puppet show? Sid? I don't know why I can't. Oh, no, no not that's, Sid. that's the puppet. <laughs> I'd probably be his. <laughs> you are totally a Sid. <laughs> no. No, Morgan? Is it Morgan? Morgan? <laughs> probably yeah. Morgan. Okay, but let's just say really Willow. Too. Yeah. I'd like to believe that. Okay, what about I you, definitely Pat? dressed a lot like her. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's tough for me because I'm, I'm hard to classify, I think. <laughs> oh, you're but, so unique, Pat. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying I'm probably closest to Xander. Yes, okay. 100%. Okay, well, there we go. All right. He skateboards, I skateboard. I mean, Kathleen is so clearly Buffy. She kickboxes. Oh. I, I feel like that's who I would probably be the closest to. So now, here we are. As I was Scooby watching gang. it, I would have said Willow for sure because of the way I dress like Willow... But even now, I'm almost like, I don't know, maybe I would now drop me in there. Maybe I would kind of be Cordelia. I don't know. (laughs) Really? No, you're not that mean. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't be Cordelia. You are definitely not that mean. I feel like Cordelia is a little misunderstood, but I... That could be she does it to else. herself, anyway. though. She does become a little bit more of a human. And in this episode, too, yes. she does have some moments. So we'll get into that, too. Yeah. Okay, so but yeah, I'll we can only Buffy. hope that that keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I would definitely put you as Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> I spend a lot of time thinking about stabbing vampires <laughs> through the heart with a stake. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you know? do, too, Sammy. I do too. You know, I mean, even like right now, current events, all my neighbors are kind of freaking out about Civil War. And yeah. I'm like, I could maybe do a crossbow. I don't like guns. Yeah. Me neither. But I think I could have a crossbow and yeah. really, you know, do well with it. Yeah. Yeah. On the back of a motorcycle. Oh, that hell would yeah. Be, yeah. That'd be anyway. really badass. Okay, into this episode. <laughs> All right, so we open at the bronze. Xander is practicing an impassioned, will you date me speech that is meant for Buffy. But he's practicing it on Willow, which is so disheartening to me and heartbreaking because you because Willow just has like this dreamy look on her face, just like wishing that he was saying it to her. Right. But she's also like enjoying it, too. So it's like she knows that it's not for her, which I got to be honest, when the scene opened and he was like saying it to her, I'm like, wait, really? Is this happening? It got me. And I was like, oh, I just I get had so easily. (laughs) Yeah, I got got. (laughs) But yeah, she's into it. She's like, oh, 
well, you, you can keep going. You can keep yeah, practicing. Yeah, you keep practicing on yeah. me, she says to him. And she's kind of like encouraging. She's encouraging him like, you're doing fine. Don't worry about it. Xander says, what I should do is I should start with talking about the dance. You know, Buffy, Spring Fling, just as in any dance. It's a time for students to choose a mate. And then we can observe their mating rituals and tag them before they migrate. (laughs) And after that awful attempt, he wonders why it's so hard. And then he just feels ready. And he's like, I got to just do it now. I got to ask her now. And Willow's like, she's not here. So Buffy's not at the bronze. And Xander's like, why didn't she show up tonight? What's she doing? And Willow says, oh, you know, the usual. Hanging out in graveyards. Hanging out. Actually, she's, we don't, I don't think she's in a graveyard here. She's oh. in kind of like a grassy area with like a parking lot behind her. Okay. I just always assume it's a graveyard when it's at night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there weren't any graves, so. Yeah. Um, so we okay, cut to slow-mo of Buffy falling on her butt on some grass and then Cordelia is making out with a guy in a car and she's like did you hear something she wonders if something is out there and then we see more of the you know Buffy versus vampire slow-mo with actually a car in the background what do you think of the slow-mo Pat is this a good this slow-mo was or? good slow-mo <laughs> this passed the slow-mo test I like I the slow-mo <laughs> yeah it was cool it was like a it was like a legit fall too like good yeah. stunt work yeah yeah Yeah, 100%. Um, So then Buffy says, three in one night, Giles would be proud. Then we move over the roof of Sunnydale High Library. So we're kind of like looking over sunroof, moonroof? No. (laughs) Is it like an atrium? Atrium roof? There we go. There you go. That sounds way better. It's like, like, I feel like a sun, that's a car, right? Sunroof. Sunroof, yeah. (laughs) Moonroof, that's another car (laughs) thing. It's like, you know, there's windows on top of the ceiling, whatever Plate that glass is. window atrium. in the ceiling. I like yeah, the atrium. atrium. It's atrium. <laughs> this is also part of our show where we just argue semantics and we how we say things. We don't know what things are called. <laughs> what, are, what are the names of things? Yeah. What do you call the thing, Kathleen, that they put bodies in in morgues? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be a a corpse refrigerator. Okay, that's, I think yeah, you're. That's I think you're right. It it's is. called a fridge. Corpse, yeah, we googled it and they said drawer. it's called a fridge. A drawer. I would call it a drawer. Drawer. Yeah. Yep. A refrigerated corpse drawer. Uh, well, I said cadaver drawer. And Sammy, what did you call it? Oh, you know, we we're just good. we don't have to talk about no, that. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, you had a great. You had a label for it. What'd you call it? I called it a body slidey hole. Okay. Body slidey mm, hole. I'm real right. into that body slidey hole. <laughs> I, I like. I couldn't think of the word for drawer. I yeah. I no, I like it. I think the body slidey hole is great. Yeah. Thanks. Daver drawer sounds legit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I'm glad we covered that. <laughs> we'll stick with that one. Um. So it's still the same night, and then we kind of like go into the library where Giles has his nose in his books tea at his side he's reading the codex that angel just brought him last episode um and he translates aloud the master shall rise and the slayer then he just kind of like looks up and is like my god then we get some rattling and it's an earthquake yeah this is like a jurassic park like when the when the t-rex comes around and you see oh, the yeah, like the cup yeah, yeah. the cup like vib- yeah exactly it's and like we that. do get a t-rex because it wrecks the tea. <laughs> Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy you said that. So that was tea. I wrote coffee, but that makes sense. Giles wouldn't be drinking coffee. No, be he's British, tea. and he yeah. was drinking out of a fancy teacup. 
Okay, so I learned from a friend of mine who's in the industry that <laughs> set decoration, there's this thing called the life layer, which is my dream job, which is like in Roseanne, especially all the pills on the, or even calendars or things that are on cork boards. And so I was really, I became obsessed with Giles's office space. Yeah. Definitely noticed the milk in the tea. I do think it was coffee because I drink tea and coffee. That was the consistency of coffee. With that looks like coffee it. to me. Mm, and I, I love know. coffee. Which I is mean, problematic. I don't drink coffee, it should be tea. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to stay up late and he actually well, opted he for the coffee. Yeah. Because it was past tea time. If it's I just night. feel like you wouldn't be drinking coffee for the most part out of a cup like, like that. That looked like a teacup to me. You could refill it many times. I'm looking at it right now. I have it paused on this because also on his cork board, there's some weird stuff on there. You keep going because this really comes up in the scene <laughs> with Miss Calendar. So I'll wait until you get there. Oh, okay, okay cool. Because I did not dig into it that deeply. So I'm excited. Giles tea or coffee spilling. Xander and Willow take shelter under the stair um, under a staircase at the bronze. The library is like cracking in half kind of like splitting yeah. like down the middle and bookcases and books are falling over on like the second floor and then the master this is like this is such a ridiculous scene to me <laughs> he's like yes yeah. yes shake earth this is a sign we are in the final days my time has come glory glory <laughs> Like, yeah, he's. I wrote down out. final days fetish. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, really he into is, it. I feel Super like this is it. a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he like the earthquake is over, and then he looks over at the anointed one slash Colin, and he says, "What do you think? Five point one? <laughs> like on the Richter scale? That's yeah. What he say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to the intro. So then back from the credits, um, and it's the next morning. Giles looks rumpled coming out of his office. So it pretty much looks like he spent the night there. Buffy walks in and remarks, "The damage looks fairly structural. Are we safe in here?" Giles is acting like a little standoffish. Um, Hold on, I'm going to stop you real quick. Okay. So when she first walks in, she says something that you say all the time. Oh my god! And I what? picked up on this. It's no, it's no big deal. It's just a small thing. But she says, "How you doing there, Giles?" That's something you say all the time. You say, "How you doing there, Pat?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's where that came from." Nobody else says, "How you doing there?" They always say, "How you doing?" or "How's it going?" or "What's up?" That's but so you funny. say, "How you doing there, Pat?" <laughs> and this is, "How you doing there, Giles?" And that's a Buffyism. One thing I love about you watching it is that like you're finding the things like I think you said in like the first episode or first or second episode that like parts of Buffy must have been dropped into my DNA. So I love when you point this stuff out to me because I'm like Buffy is my life and like literally uh, my mannerisms are from this show and it makes sense. I mean I was nine ten years old when I was watching this like all the way through you know kind of like my high school years my middle school and high school years so yeah it's decoding Sam. That's what we should call this podcast, <laughs> Decoding yeah. Sammy. If we if we stop watching Lost, because yeah. I don't think that Lost is really a big no. part of your DNA. But no, not really. I only see it once, and I didn't yeah. even finish it. <laughs> I would say like Harrison Ford movies. <laughs> Those I've seen DNA. a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Giles is acting a little standoffish, but he does say that they're safe. Um, but it's probably best not to go up on the second floor, which is where kind of like all the bookcases fell over. Buffy tells him that she killed three vampires, one practically on school grounds. So I'm thinking like that's where they were. Um, that's where she was in the slow-mo scene with Cordelia in the background. Buffy notices that Giles is distracted and she says, Giles, care. 
I'm putting my life on the line, battling the undead. Look, I broke a nail, okay? I'm wearing a press-on. The least you could do is exhibit some casual interest. You could go, hmm, which of course then he does. Um, and then he apologizes, says that he's glad she's all right. But he's but he kind of like brushes her off. He says like he can't really talk. And she's like, OK, well, I can't put off my terrible fate any longer. To which Giles like wheels around and is surprised. And she says, you know, biology. After <laughs> class, Buffy, Willow and Xander talk about how boring class was. And Willow says, is this a line that you wrote down, Pat? Because I know you like Willow lines. Uh, no, I have, the, I have the line after, though. Okay, so she I says, think. even I was bored, and I'm a science nerd. Buffy says, don't say that. And then Willow says, nope. Nope, I don't I, have that I'm one. Not. I have okay. one after. <laughs> Willow says, I'm not ashamed. It's the computer age. Nerds are in. They're still oh, in, yeah. right? That was like a B minus Willow line for me, yeah, so I didn't write it down. Yeah, that's not the best. Yeah. <laughs> I always just like to check in with you. Xander tries to kind of like get Willow to leave in a super obvious way. So then she kind of does. And then Xander awkwardly asks Buffy to spring fling. He even kicks a guy who was like reading off of a bench. He's like, leave. <laughs> Which is, I was like, that's a real jerk move, Xander. Yeah. So I wrote down here, I think Buffy asks, what on earth is her deal? And then Xander just says, she's Willow. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay. Okay, um, that explains it. Uh, he gets super intense, and then he just goes for it. He tells her he likes her a lot. And Buffy clearly wants to reject him without hurting his feelings. Yeah. It's very obvious. She goes, what about Willow? And and then he says, well, Willow's not looking to date you. <laughs> yep. And put a little yeah. asterisk next to that. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then she, he says, or if she is, she's playing it pretty close to the chest. <laughs> I thought was funny. This is what I was afraid of, though. This whole season, I'm like, Xander, what are you doing? You're setting yourself up for failure. This isn't going to work out. There's there's no, the chemistry's not there. Yeah, she's never given him anything. I also hate it. Like, I've, I felt bad for Willow at the beginning because I was in a group of kind of, like, the freaks and geeks crowd, right? Yeah. And I always hated it whenever the guys in my group had crushes on the popular girls. And I was like, I'm right here. Yeah. I'm cute. Totally. You just... I'm just not wearing whatever. Yeah. And being a jerk to everybody. I mean, Buffy isn't, but Willow is. Just not even having the social capital. But what are you going to have in common with that girl anyway? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Buffy's a cool girl. It's not like Xander crushing on Cordelia, for example. Right. It's not so far outside of the realm of their little tribe that they've got going on. But it is annoying. Well, Just, because yeah. Xander and Willow have been Xander and Willow forever, seeming, you know, like according to what we know about them. And she's very clearly into him, and he just doesn't notice her at all. But I feel like he knows that and he is comfortable with that and he likes that, but he doesn't Yeah. He doesn't really think that there's a relationship there or if he does, he's like He's sort of pushing her off to the side and being like, I'm going to go for Buffy. If that doesn't work out, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Because he does. I also feel like it's like, well, she's blonde and new. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Shiny new girl. And girls just hate that shit. Don't be going for the shiny new blonde girl. Yeah. Yeah. So cliche. That said, I now dye my hair blonde. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, and then Xander negs Buffy. Yeah. So then, yeah. So Buffy's like, I don't want to spoil the friendship. And Xander kind of keeps pressing. Like she's, and this, this was like also really uncomfortable because like, I don't know, Kathleen, if you've been in a situation where you're like really trying to be nice and they just, and you're 100%. just like, dude, I eventually I'm going to turn into a bitch and then you're going to be mad. And that's basically what happens here. Like, come on, and you just don't see the light. And you feel bad for saying no. And this is where the whole, like, this is where it all comes down. I feel like things have changed. And if we were rewriting this scene today, it would not have gone down like that. Yeah. She would have said, no, thanks. And he would have said, okay. But I don't know. I think there are still plenty of guys who would. <laughs> yeah. And I think not- there's still guys who would keep going. He's not like really being a total jerk until after she just like really he's rejects him. Sorry but he's just like, sorry for himself here. Yeah, he's just yeah. like really pushing and she's like, I'm trying to be nice, you know? Yeah. Um, it also yeah. made me think about how many guys I did end up going out with against my better judgment because mm-hmm. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. Well, one piece of advice, the probably the only like good piece of advice that and I feel like I've told you this Pat before so I don't know if it's come up before on this episode on on like the podcast but like the only like good thing I can say um that my mom transferred to me advice wise was always like if a boy asks you to dance at the dance always dance with them like just give them one dance because then if they turn into a serial killer later they're not gonna kill you and alternately if they turn a millionaire you like dance with them once and they remember you as being nice so i'm like that is interesting what to do with this advice yeah i don't i don't know i don't know about that but yeah but i always did and I'm not murdered yet, so, <laughs> so yeah, I'm far, also not good with any millionaires. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So dude. I have a son, and I think I'm going to raise him. If you ask a girl to dance and she says no thanks, say okay and walk away. Yeah, I think that's nice. Don't I mean, try don't to convince murder her. anybody afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, please just don't, don't murder. be a murderer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to really drill that in early too. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'll have to hide my crossbow from him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I let would him find that. Lock that up. You know, just have a have a crossbow closet instead of a gun closet. Have <laughs> a, a cage. Yeah, have a library the cage. cage. Yeah, a weapon cage. Giles cage. Yeah, yeah. Giles cage. So yeah, so then she's like basically like I don't think of you that way. And then he asks her to try, then he finally gives up and he says, "I'm not him. I guess a guy's got to be undead to make time with you." Oh. So yeah. Ooh, that yeah. was a real dick thing to say. If I was Buffy, I've been like, yeah, have you seen him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, sorry, seriously. dude, but mm, yeah. I've seen his chest and he's got a tattoo and it's all I've looking good. I've seen his good. hairless chest. And there's a cross burnt into it from my necklace. <laughs> yeah. Do you have one of those? Nope. <laughs> from the necklace that he gave me. Yeah. And also Angel can hold his own in a fight, you know? Yeah, That's he's really got a lot sexy. going for him, except for the whole vampire thing. Yeah, you know, they just can't. I'm, have I'm a date into in that too. But yeah. you know what? As the Buffy of the group, I'm into the vampire situation. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't breathe though, so no snoring at night. That's true. That's a yeah. really nice perk. That is as a good Angel perk. As Angel is your boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. so funny because remember we talked about that being a thing in the episode Angel? Because she's like, Angel, do you snore? And he's oh, like, yeah. it's been a long time since I've since anyone's been in a position to tell me or to let he me know. He could have totally leaky bucketed there and yeah, been, like, been like, oh, actually, well, I, don't I don't breathe. So, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Xander says he doesn't handle rejection well, and then he just kind of walks off. Mm-hmm. Then we see Giles in his office on the phone with someone that he says he needs to see, and then he says, "Come after sundown." 
And this is when Miss Calendar comes in. She's sort of like leaning on his doorway and says, you know, that outfit looks just like the one you wore yesterday, only wrinklier. Were you here all night? And he says that he's not up for socializing. And Miss Calendar, you know, of course, knows that something is going on. Giles is in a tizzy in this. Yeah, he's freaking out a little bit. And she, I love how Miss Calendar always calls him Rupert. Yeah. I think she's the only one who calls him Rupert. So everybody else that he interacts with on a daily basis are students and so they're calling him by his last name because like you wouldn't call your teachers by their first name i like have to think about it that rupert is his first name (laughs) right so when she says it you're like who is she talking oh right oh right yeah yeah (laughs) she's of course reading the signs again as miss calendar does Mm -hmm. and she says that she like knows that something's going on she says a cat last week gave birth to a litter of snakes a family was swimming in Whisper Lake when the lake suddenly began to boil. And Mercy Hospital last night, boy was born with his eyes facing inward. I'm not stupid. This is apocalypse stuff. And throw in last night's earthquake, and I say we've got a problem. I would say the end is pretty seriously nigh. I also feel like I've said these exact words <laughs> verbatim this whole year. This whole year. <laughs> This whole year, I've been walking into my room and telling my husband, uh, I'm not stupid. This is apocalypse stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Yeah. The end is pretty seriously not. Yeah. yeah. Get the crossbow. This whole year feels like a cat getting giving birth to snakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah, this is where I did notice his corkboard. And I just want to mention a few things on this. Yeah. One is a like small cutout portrait of Van Gogh <laughs> which and I'm wondering like you know set decorators who knows they're probably just doing their best but I'm also in an age where every single decision is so intentional that I have to think that someone thought about this yeah. Yeah. so Van Gogh with his ear cut off <laughs> there is a advertisement that says and it's kind of like the Leonardo da Vinci arms drawing, oh yeah yep you know the guy with the arms mm-hmm. I forget and what it that's says called. Leonardo Internet. Oh. <laughs> what? I'm pretty sure there's a Stonehenge thing. It kind of pans across it. I'm, I'm on a frame where I can't see the whole thing. And then there's a few different conspiracy theory things. And like a couple of kind of metaphysical healing looking advertisement hmm. flyers on there, including like a body with like a spiral in the torso. It's just oh. interesting because... Giles seems pretty grounded, and even though he is the watcher, I think that he would be more skeptical about conspiracy theory stuff, but he might be into mystery a little bit. Like Stonehenge, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe they're misdirects. Maybe they're like, I want them to think that I'm just a kook so that they write me off. So he puts up <laughs> all this misdirection on his corkboard and he keeps all of his vampire books like safely in his corner. Right. In his you cage. Know? Yeah. <laughs> So people walk in, they're like, hi, librarian. Oh, okay. Interesting corkboard. We'll see you another time. Thank you. (laughs) That could be. So two things. One, Willow has said in the first episode that Giles came from the British Museum. Like that's where he previously worked. So I don't know if these are relics from his office there, which is like random smattering of things. Perhaps. It also could be that he's just so wigging out about this thing that he read in the codex that he's just trying to i don't know find answers anywhere (laughs) right i mean but it's not quite like homeland level of like yeah he doesn't have like strings going connecting with a string it doesn't seem like a manic it seems it doesn't seem like this was a part of 
this scene. There just it seems things like that make him happy. He unpacked and he got his new job and he was like, "Let me pin these things to the corkboard." Right. Yeah. So then Giles is like, "I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I can trust you." And she's like, "Hey, remember when I helped free this demon from the net? Like, I feel like you can trust me." She says that she's scared and that she has a crazy monk. She says, um, "I have a crazy monk emailing me from Cortona about some anointed one." Does Cortona ring any bells? That's the Italian, yes? Yeah. Is that, that's where the demon came from. Yeah. Yeah, in I, Robot, Eugene. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah so that, it, Cortona, Italy is where Moloch was trapped um, in that book initially by a bunch of monks. So, yes, good job, Pat. Yes. <laughs> Gold star today. <laughs> and then this catches Giles' attention because they believed the anointed one to be dead because they believed it was Borba slash pork and beans guy. <laughs> pork and beans. <laughs> Make it a comeback. So Giles orders Miss Calendar to contact the monk and find out uh, everything that he knows. Cordelia and the guy she was making out with in the car talk about getting some tech ready for the spring fling. She spots Willow and says that she really likes her outfit. And Willow's like, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's cut to the chase. She's like, I'm not buying it. Cordelia's like, no, I really don't, but I need a favor. Um, And she asks Willow if um, she can hook up a sound system at the bronze for the dance. This is the part of Willow that I am, the AV nerd, the guy who knows how to hook things up, projectors and... Yeah, that is me. true. That's yeah. This is a part of Willow that I am not. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, Ooh. as Cordelia is talking to her, Willow spots Xander kind of mopily throwing a ball against the classroom wall. Um, and she agrees to help Cordelia, then goes in to check on Xander, who tells her that asking out Buffy on a scale of one to ten sucked. It sucked. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> um, and he's like, she's still jonesing for Angel and could care less about me. And Willow's like, yep. well, at least now you know. So Xander's like, yeah, you're right. The deal's done. The polls are in and it's time for my concession speech. Which, hey, doesn't that feel relevant? <laughs> No, yep. not gonna, not gonna get, not gonna touch that one. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen, I never get political on this show, <laughs> and I am always trying. <laughs> She's trying to push my buttons politically. Oh, that kind of went over my head. This is why I had to quit podcasting because I was constantly getting political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Xander says the polls are in and it's time for my concession speech. Gotcha. Xander asks Willow if she'll go with him. As if this is the first time the thought has ever occurred to him. Yeah. And Willow turns him down. And she goes, you think I want to go to the dance with you and watch you wish you were at the dance with her? You think that's my idea idea of hijinks? You should know better. That kills me. (laughs) That kills you in what way? I just want... I just want someone to love Willow for Willow and put her (laughs) number one. That That is what I want for her. So it hurts. Um, but you got to respect the way that she's standing up for herself. Oh, How she doesn't want to be second place. Yeah. She doesn't want to be and just. I am super proud that she does that because it would be really easy for her to just be like, okay. It only kills me because I, I hurt for Willow, but I'm yeah. proud that she stood up. Yeah. So she leaves and Xander says, did you write this quote down, Pat? Oh, yeah. I sure did. <laughs> said, I'm going to go home and listen to country music. The music of pain. <laughs> I knew you'd write that one down. And uh, I also agree that country music is the music of pain because I do not like country music. Yes. So it pains me to listen to it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Where? What are you? How, I vehemently stand? disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. My wife disagrees as well. She loves country music and I just can't. 
I can't get into it. I don't like the twanginess. I'm more like of a like a Willie Nelson, Johnny okay. Cash, That's Dolly like, Parton. That like I'm some, okay like, classics. with. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Have you all talked about how Joss Whedon was involved in the movie? Yeah. Okay, but tangent. Did you know that he was watching at the premiere the movie with his wife in the audience and just practically in tears because it was so bad oh no and she like any sweet supportive wife or spouse of a creative she put her hand on his knee and she was like maybe you'll get to redo it again one day the way that you want to do it and he was like any creative who's realistic yeah like are you kidding me this is my one shot this is gonna bury you know hollywood it's so rare that you can even get a movie made or a show made much less a way to redo something that is a total flop, right? But yeah. it became a cult classic in its own right. He did. He got to do it again in his own way. So she was right, which yeah. against all odds. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I such never a sweet knew that story. story. I have not seen the movie yet, but I know Sammy and I have talked about possibly watching the movie as a bonus episode of this podcast. <laughs> it so would be that really might- fun. Yeah, that we might have to get around to that sooner rather than later. And I almost feel like we should actually watch it together, like on Zoom. Yeah, it's just so ridiculous that I just feel like we <laughs> you got to see my face. Yeah, what and then happens? maybe your listeners can, you guys can sync it up so that your listeners watch the movie Ooh, do a watch and you're along? basically giving commentary on yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Like almost yeah. like, like the a director mystery, track. mystery science theater. Yeah, commentary. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, Xander's going to go home and listen to country. Uh, At night, Buffy grabs a steak out of her locker, turns on the faucet in the bathroom, and blood comes out. Yeah, very dark bathroom, too. Yeah. I was like, how can you see anything in there? What, are they trying to save electricity? So they're probably, you know, they have like one light as opposed to like all 10 lights or something. (laughs) I don't know. Too dark. (laughs) Cost-saving measures. (laughs) Yeah. So she like goes to tell Giles, who's in the library, and then she sees him talking to Angel and decides to eavesdrop instead. Mm -hmm. They're arguing about the codex. Angel insists it must be wrong, and Giles says that there's nothing written in the codex that doesn't come to pass, and that, quote, tomorrow night, Buffy will face the master and she will die. Buffy laughs, and Angel and Giles notice her. And this whole scene always makes me cry so you know Buffy's Mm. like so that's it huh I remember the drill one slayer dies next one's called wonder who she is and then she looks at Giles she goes will you train her or will they send someone else they say how he's gonna kill me do you think it'll hurt and she just like she tears up she tears up and she's like very vulnerable because she's like I'm gonna die you know I mean how do you handle something like that Angel kind of moves to hug her but she brushes him off angrily she asks if Giles was going to tell her and he said that he hoped he wouldn't have to, that there would be some way around it. And Buffy is just like, fine, I quit. That's my way around it. They can find someone else to fight the master. Giles says no one else can. And, the, you know, he's like, the signs indicate. And Buffy says, the signs? And she throws a book at him. She says, read me the signs and throws another book. Tell me my fortune. You're so useful sitting here with all your books. You're really a lot of help. I'm like actually tearing up. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> this scene really, <laughs> really gets got me. got to you, yeah. Because <laughs> it's just so, like... It got to me, too. Yeah. She's this little girl. I mean, she's only 16, you know? This is where she realizes, I think, and this whole episode in general, the weight of her job yeah. and the burden of being a slayer. And even juxtaposed with some of the earlier, like, Giles, I broke my press on nail. Like, even yeah. her tone of voice changes... And you realize, like, okay, 
This is Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when the episode really takes a turn for the dramatic. And it stays in the dramatic for the entirety of the episode. The Mm -hmm. music changes. It gets really slow and ominous piano. And it's just the whole episode is pretty somber and kind of a downer. And I was like, this isn't the Buffy I signed up for. I want more Willow. I want more Xander quips. And I'm getting a whole lot of sadness. Oh, so you so this is this was your kind of problem with this episode. Yeah. Get ready, Pat. <laughs> oh, get re- hang on. It's going to get so serious after this. You are in for a ride. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's a good it's a good mix, you know, but yeah. there's definitely It just becomes more layered. Yeah. It becomes a little bit less surfacey and a little bit more real. Then we cut to Willow at home. She's looking at a photo of her and Xander. She picks up the phone to call him. And then we cut to Xander laying down on his messy bed, listening to country music. He picks up the phone, slams it down. Slams it. I love this this camera shot, too. It was like an overhead camera shot looking down. And he's sort of upside down in the bed, just stuff sprawled all over. Yeah, miserable listening to the music. And I was just like, I've been there. We cut to Buffy looking through a photo album on her bed. And there's like another sad song playing. Uh, her mom. It's also interesting how they juxtapose these two scenes. So it's Xander yeah. on his bed being sad about a normal teenage rejection, which is also life shattering. We can we've all been there yeah. as teenagers, brokenhearted. But then Buffy is on her bed, sad about carrying the weight of the world literally on her shoulders. Yeah. And so I think this is also where it really starts to position and anchor Buffy. Even amongst her friends, like she is not one of them. Mm-hmm. She is separate from them. She's and got I think bigger that's problems. Probably a theme that you'll start to see moving forward. Yeah. Not that I know. But she's also reacting in such a teen way. Like I think that's what's kind of so interesting. And I, I didn't think about it until you brought it up, Kathleen, of like just juxtaposing these two scenes. Like they're, you know, they're they're reacting to very different things, but they're reacting in very similar ways. Just like being on their bed, pondering, you know, Buffy's going through photos, Xander's just like sad listening to country music. But it's still a very like similar teen reaction. Right. Both of the worlds are crushed at that moment. Yeah. And relatively very different too. Right. <laughs> you know? Perspective is everything. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, Xander doesn't know that. Buffy has just been told that she's going to die. So right. Buffy's mom comes in and asks how she's doing. Buffy tries to convince her mom to go away with her all weekend. But she's like, you know, I, I, the gallery is open on weekends. Like, I can't just run away. And then she says, isn't prom or spring fr- fling or whatever they're calling it tomorrow night? But she's clearly not excited about it. So her mom kind of presses and, and kind of guesses. She's like, oh, so someone asked you, but, you know, it wasn't the right someone. She's like, sometimes I do know what's going on. <laughs> um, and then she's like, well, I guess it's a bad time, you know, for me to like show you this. And she reveals a beautiful white dress that she bought for Buffy to wear to the She buys room. Buffy a wedding dress. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That is a wedding Aww. dress. It's definitely a wedding dress. <laughs> it's very pretty. Visually makes sense later in the episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It works for the motifs. <laughs> it does. Um, and then, so then she encourages her to go even if it means going alone. Then Buffy's mom shares a story about how she went alone yes. to mm. something. Yeah, to prom. And that's how she met her dad. And then she says... But her dad was on a date with someone else. And then there's a story that I will never tell you. And I'm like, did Buffy's mom have a threesome with Buffy's dad? And this date? <laughs> that did is anyone not else what get I that was impression? 
I just thought she somehow like stole him away from that woman, but that's I guess what that I would be. Too. I guess like that oh, doesn't seem like, like that I bad. Of they a story all did it. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, but who's like, oh, not I? Oh, you will never hear that story. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that makes more sense. It does make because no one wants to hear a story it. about their. It's fine hearing about your mom stealing a guy away. Right. Yeah. Like it's cute teenage It's not hijinks. okay hearing about your mom having a threesome. That's right. true. That you can't ever hear. No, I never would want to hear that. Um, so next day at Sunnydale High, Cordelia and Willow are in the hall and Cordelia is complaining that Kevin didn't do what he was supposed to the previous night and like bring all the equipment to the bronze and set things up. I have a quick question about this. Yeah. Like the way that Cordelia is talking about this guy that she's been making out with in this episode, I felt like I missed something. Is she under some sort of spell because she's always like, oh, it's so cute how he is. Or is she just being kind of ditzy about this relationship? Yeah, I felt like she was actually starting to feel something for a boy for the first time because normally it's it's like sport for her. So like she just goes out with cute boys because they like her and she likes them and she's playing the field and it's fun. But I feel like this time she was actually starting to find something from this boy that she thought was cute and sort of endearing and she was enjoying his company. So that's that's what I was thinking. Mm, okay yeah and so yeah. and yeah so she's kind of like he basically blew me off and i find it cute which i thought was ridiculous that's why i thought that she was under a spell i don't think that cordelia would stand for that it's out of yeah. character it is out of character yeah. i will also say though i think that joss whedon has a hard time writing romantic relationships mm. and especially dialogue in romantic relationships mm. yeah that's interesting across the board that's across why every <laughs> single joss whedon show that's why he nails the xander lines though yeah well he he has said that he was xander like he he was very much like xander in high school so and it shows shows. (laughs) clearly (laughs) so they kind of look through the door to the av room there's like a you know one of those like high school or like school doors where it's mostly like wood or whatever but then there's like a like a slit of a window yeah tiny window tiny window yeah so they're kind of like looking in in through the av room as cordelia is still talking about it she's like look they're in there watching cartoons and then we as viewers get to see inside the room before cordelia and willow do and there are a whole lot of dead people i counted five that i could see yeah and there's blood smeared in places and bite marks on their necks Gruesome. Cordelia opens the door and Kevin, the guy who stood her up, falls out or stood her up because he was dead, um, falls out and he's got vampire bite marks on his neck. So this scene shook me a little bit. And I think I actually Googled when was Columbine because these things happened around the same time. And I was like, is this commentary? Especially whenever we get into Willow's Her reaction, like Buffy goes to visit Willow and Willow's upset about this. She's like, these were my friends. I knew these people and they are dead. It's the first time we see a teenager shooken up about all the death happening yeah. in their school. Yeah. I was like, is this commentary on school shootings? And it's just so weird that that's such a part of our culture now. Yeah. In fact, yeah. so my son is in elementary school and that little school window or the little window in the doors now. Yeah. Typically covered in paper for school shooting measures. Jeez. Isn't that insane? Yeah. And so I, not to like make this, you know, too much of a, dis- I think it's a little far-fetched, but I did Google it to see when did Columbine happen? When did this episode happen? Columbine happened in 99. Yeah. And this was in 97. 97. So it was two years before. Yeah. But through the context of 
violence in schools now. I I kind of had a hard time watching this scene with all these. It was a little pianos. shocking to see a bunch and of bodies. And all the blood and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that if they were making it today, I don't know that they could have done the same thing. Or, you know, they are bold and they do do it because they're like, look, this is exactly like this is what's happening. Well, and, you know, a lot of times monsters in films are typically reflecting what's happening in the world. And that's exactly. And so I think that that would kind of be mirroring the monster that is you know, violence and gun violence and school shootings and all of that done in a more creative way by representing, using vampires yeah. to represent that message. Yeah. yeah. And that's definitely something that Joss Whedon was trying to do. Um, like we talked about in our first episode, his, uh, like the tagline for this season was high school is hell. And it was all about like taking the real terrors that teens face and making them into demons. And that really happens like, throughout Buffy you know it's not just this one season yeah so then we look at the tv screen and there's a small handprint in blood on the tv screen oh I didn't even put that together that it was small I didn't put that together either yeah it was was just like handprint one yeah yeah Yeah, it's It's mini me I noticed it because I was like oh oh good catch and it was a cartoon playing yeah, on the TV that, that makes a sense. kid would watch. He was watching Porky Pigs yeah. or whatever it was. He yeah. fed a lot and then needed to watch his cartoons. I don't know. Wow. Regular Saturday morning for Vampire. Right. Saturday night, I guess. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't be morning. <laughs> so then we cut to Buffy wearing her dress and her mom rushes in to say, there's something on the news, Willow. Cut to Buffy sitting on Willow's bed as Willow tries to explain to her what she saw. And she's like, I'm not okay. I knew those guys. I go to that room every day. And when I walked in there, it wasn't our world anymore. They made it theirs and they had fun. And then we see like a tear kind of roll down her cheek. And she says, what are we going to do? This is the point in the episode where I was like, man, can it get any darker? It's so dark. It's so depressing. Where's all the fun? Yeah. And Willow (laughs) crying is like the worst to me. Oh, Oh, my God. It always gets me. Not that I wasn't already got in this episode by Buffy. But yeah, so like that got me too. Buffy asks Willow to promise her that she'll stay in tonight. She turns to leave and Willow says she likes her dress. And Buffy says, take care and leaves. Which like, I don't know that I ever thought about this before, but it really hit me this episode because I was like, she's probably thinking this is the last time she'll see Willow. And that, so yeah, she's like, that's what take I care. And like, obviously doesn't want to make a big thing about it to like get Willow right. upset and concerned. But I was like, oh, like that's, that's the thing that she says she's leaving. And she's like, this is probably the last time I'm going to see my best friend Willow. Then we cut to the master in his chambers. He's attempting to break through the force field again. And he says, soon, and then kind of like scoots the anointed one um, out of his lair. Uh, then at Sunnydale High Library, Miss Callender's recounting everything Giles has told her about the master and the anointed one. She says, okay, so this master guy tried to open the hellmouth, but he got stuck in it. And now all the signs are reading that he's going to get out, which opens the hellmouth, which brings the demons, which ends the world. And Giles is basically like, yep, that's it. He's gathering up some weapons. And Miss Calendar says uh, the monk disappeared, but he sent out one last message, a biblical passage, which seems to indicate the anointed one is a child. And actually, I think it's right before she says this. She's like, the thing I don't get is that like Buffy is the slayer. She's so tiny. Giles tells her that he's going to face the master. 
instead of Buffy. And once again, Buffy was listening. So she kind of walks in and is like, no, you're not. And then they argue. And Giles is like, I made up my mind first. (laughs) (laughs) They have kind of like a childish argument, I feel like. Giles yells at her, saying nothing she can say will change his mind. So she punches him knocking him out this is such a movieism where you can just punch somebody and they pass out like soundly like this will make you go to sleep for a little bit and then i can do whatever i want <laughs> that is not reality if you were to punch somebody but like to that be fair she's the slayer yeah. she can definitely throw a punch that'll knock <laughs> oh i know she can Especially throw giles. a punch for sure <laughs> i'm just saying the safety and health of giles oh, like the being just being out yeah you can't be out like that it's not good for your brain it's very oh. traumatic especially especially giles brain i mean come on i'm just looking out for giles <laughs> well yeah he's been knocked out the this is the third time he's been knocked out this season. <laughs> and then Miss Calendar says, you fight the master and you'll die. And Buffy says, maybe. And she picks up the crossbow. And she says, maybe I'll take him with me. So Giles actually says in this part that he thinks he can face the master himself or that he's going to face the master. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily say that he fully believes that he can. And this is where Giles becomes the ultimate father figure for Buffy. Yep. Yeah. He's like, my head has been in the books for so long that I forgot right. about reality, basically. Yeah. He's like, this is my slayer. Like, this is this is my my kid, basically. And like, I he's out of options. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to happen because Buffy knocks him out. So she leaves the library and outside the school, she runs into the anointed one right away. He's trying to pose as a little boy who needs help. And she's like, it's OK. I know who you are. And holds his hand as he leads her away. After a commercial break. We get Xander upset in the library yelling about the news that Buffy has gone after the master and Willow's there too. Giles and Willow try to calm him down and... Why would she hold Minnie-Me's hand? I don't know. If I was Buffy, I'd be like, I know who you are. We're not holding hands, pal. Just (laughs) scoot. Maybe it's just an instinct because she's like, I know he's going to lead me into hell. But he's also little, and I feel like I need to Come on. protect him. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm not holding the little devil's hand. Come on. Little devil. <laughs> yeah, little devil. I will say I have a hard time standing next to a little kid without, like, holding that Really? Hand. You're like, oh. Totally. I would have held that little devil's you hand. You would have? Yeah. I think it's also maybe maybe it's commentary on how nobody's really good or bad, and these are both ultimately children i did have the thought whenever they held each other's hands like this kid is probably what nine or ten and she's 16 yeah yeah whenever you're young watching this show it seems like a world's a difference but whenever you're a grown-ass adult watching this show you're like oh they're, they're only kids. a few years apart yeah right yeah. and so they're both kind of in the boat together this poor kid who knows what happened to him in his lifetime that he even became the anointed one right and so i think that she's just kind of showing some compassion for right how much everything sucks. Well, if we he got pulled off that bus, right? The transport bus? Yeah. Like, wasn't he just a child of some mom? And then Borba, pork and beans guy, didn't like- Turned him? Well, he was turned and also Colin, the little boy, was turned as well because of that pack of vamps that attacked the tour bus, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Or the transport bus, yeah. Or he was so, always bad, I don't know. Yeah. But no, I, would, I don't know. And we know that Buffy loves vampires. Yeah, so, so she's that's like, true. She's got a soft spot. Okay. <laughs> He's not trying to attack her right it. away. I thought it was sweet. I also think it's important to note that Buffy is now wearing a black leather motorcycle jacket over her white dress. Yes. So you've got this good contrast of like badass but also innocent. Yeah. yeah. She's always on top of her style. It might, it, it might be the jacket that Angel gave her. But I imagine that oh. would be bigger. Oh. 
right? Well, she could have got it hemmed. <laughs> She's like, I'll, I'll wear your jacket, but it needs to fit me better. I can't have, yeah. you know, <laughs> I can't, can't she look like. She gets Joyce to take it in a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask mom. Just, you know, <laughs> Just don't ask me on. where make, I got make this. Make it look good. Okay. <laughs> Smells <laughs> like man, Buffy. <laughs> they try to figure out how they can help. And then Xander and Willow are both kind of jerks about Miss Calendar. She like she says something to try to help out and Xander is like tries to shut her down and then Willow's like what how come she gets to be in the club? Yeah. <laughs> but they But also... I kind of like that though. Because Willow is always the one who's like digging things up and helping out and now she might feel a little threatened, oh, a little replaced. Like Miss being part... on her turf. Right. She's like stepping she's like, Hey, I'm always the info girl helping out Giles yeah. and now there's this other girl comes in and starts taking my job. Like, why is she helping out? Xander says basically that his priority is helping Buffy. Um, Giles says we don't know where she's gone. And Xander's like, well, I think I know how to find out. So he hits up Angel, which I'm like, how the hell does he know where Angel lives? <laughs> he just shows up at Angel's house. He's, he's got his business card. <laughs> It just says angel and on the other side, like an address. (laughs) Xander tells Angel that Buffy's gone to fight the master. And he basically just does not give him the option of not taking him to the master. He holds up a cross to him and he's like, I don't like you. At the end of the day, I pretty much think you're a vampire. But Buffy's got this big old yen for you. She thinks you're a real person. And right now I need you to prove her right. And Angel kind of looks at him as like, you're in love with her. And Xander says, aren't you? So these two guys, both in love with Buffy, team up <laughs> to, to try and save her. Giles, Miss Calendar, and Willow are trying to figure out where the Hellmouth will open. Buffy reaches the master, still in her pretty dress and leather jacket, crossbow raised. And the anointed one just kind of like leaves. He's just sort of like, here you go. Saunters bye. off. Yeah, he just like yeah. saunters off. Doesn't say anything. I'm going to go watch cartoons. Yeah. He's like, I got to get out of here before it goes down. Yeah, yeah <laughs> things like, are going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. My job here is done. <laughs> yeah. And then she kind of wanders down into into his lair and makes some quip about water damage. Um, and the master says, Pat, did you write this one down? She says, you should really call a contractor. This place looks like it has some major water damage. And then he says, oh, good. The feeble banter portion before the fight. Why don't we just cut to and then... And then he gets the the arrow shot at him, but he catches it. Yeah, so she spins and launches a bolt in his direction, but he catches it. And he's like, nice shot. I love that line. It's such a good line. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a feeling you would like that Because I was actually starting to write that myself. I was like, oh, here we go with the feeble band. Oh. (laughs) Oh, he says it for me. (laughs) I wasn't actually saying those words. Very (laughs) self-aware. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We see Xander and Angel heading through a basement, and Xander thinks that Angel's checking out his neck. <laughs> He's like, "Stop yeah. looking at my neck! You should have eat. You should have eaten before we left." <laughs> so ridiculous. I don't know why I really liked that line. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, Willow says the last time the master tried to raise was at the harvest, and all of the vampires went to the bronze. So she and Miss Calendar leave to warn the spring fling goers. <laughs> then we see the master taunting Buffy. He comes up behind her, knocks the crossbow out of her hand, and grabs her neck. Then we cut back to Miss Calendar and Willow, Willow, who find the vampires right outside of Sunnydale High. Buffy gets out of the master's grip, but he pulls her back with his vampire thrall. He takes off her leather jacket and just kind of has her like frozen to the spot. And he says, you tried. It was noble of you. You heard the prophecy that I was about to break free and you came to stop me. But prophecies are tricky creatures. They don't tell you everything. You're the one that sets me free. 
If you hadn't come, I couldn't go. Think about that. So she just freezes in fear here. Yeah. I think she's just like That's just fear, right? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't look yeah. like he's holding her in any way. Right. He was just behind her, mm-hmm. which is a great jump scare. Before we cut to the other scene, yeah, we see him like pop. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of got me. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the master bites her neck and he's like, oh God, the power. The power. <laughs> and then just kind of drops her. <laughs> she passes out and he lets her fall into this like, gross water thing that's underground. Yeah, I was like, where's the blood well? I missed the blood blood well. well. If there's any episode that she could fall into a blood well, this is the episode. But it was just some puddle. Yeah, she does not fall into the blood well. It's just probably sewer water. Uh, Filth. Well, that's kind of where they are. (laughs) And then he blasts through the magical barrier. And Angel and Xander arrive, find Buffy in the gross water. Angel pulls her out, checks her pulse, and says that she's dead. And then we cut to commercial. Xander doesn't believe it. He says, if she drowned, there's a shot. CPR. And Angel says, you have to do it. I have no breath. So Xander attempts CPR. And I wrote... On a filth water mouth, too. Yeah. But I wrote, now, Pat did say there would be a scenario in which Buffy and Xander (laughs) accidentally kiss. Does this this count? There was no romance in this. This isn't, (laughs) this does not count. So there has to be romance in it? No, well, okay, let me. (laughs) Well, because your prediction said, your prediction said that there would be a scenario that would lead them to accidentally kiss. Right, so let me, no, this is not a kiss, though. (laughs) uh, Let me clarify. I think it will be more like, she's blindfolded or something and they go they're at some party or something and she and thinks she's gonna the minutes in heaven. yeah something like that right and they think it's someone else yeah she thinks it's owen or something and she's like okay well i guess owen i'll just do a little kiss back. okay well he's coming back well not just him, for but spin the somebody bottle. like him okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> just something like that that they're gonna kiss awkwardly okay where it's a miscommunication and it's awkward <laughs> A comedy of errors. Season three. Season two. Okay. So this doesn't count. No. Uh, So he kind of works on her a bit, CPR-wise, and then (sighs) she comes back coughing and spluttering. But first it's like, she's like, (gasps) and there's this like magical, I hated that. I was like, this sort of like takes me out and is like, I don't know what you call that technically. That's the dramatic gasp. Yeah. But like the camera like zooms in on her. Oh, yeah, it like pushes in just a little bit, like yeah. a little snap zoom. And it's like, <gasps> yeah. and it plays this like sound, I feel like. I don't know. I was like, oh, this is cheesy. Yeah, it's a little too magical. Then we cut to Cordelia showing up in her car and saving Willow and Miss Calendar. And she just like crashes right through the school, driving them up to the library. Which also like the boldness of just driving through the school. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's I Cordelia. She's like. We gotta, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> and man, that school just takes a beating. Being chased by like a whole army of like zombie type vampires, yeah. right? They definitely so, look like zombies. Desperate times. Yeah. Desperate measures. You gotta drive through the, the doors of the school. Yeah. She, she busts right through, drives on up to the library. And she is a, she is in the past episodes, terrible driver, right? She cannot normally drive. Well, so, so in which she was taking driving lessons. Right. And then she went blind. 
Oh, okay. Well, I guess that doesn't count. Yeah. Then. <laughs> so she was driving blind, basically. So I feel like that what shouldn't count against driver. her. <laughs> okay, fine. They barricade the door, um, and in the back of the library, something with like octopus-like tentacles starts pushing its way through the floor. Yeah, like tremors. The tentacles really gross. Me know. too. They're so they were nasty. disgusting. And they made the sound effects is what really got yes. me. They, like, look, they look like umbilical cords. Yeah. Like they had and that And then coloring. like also that alien looking yeah. thing came out it's too. The, with the with teeth. The teeth. Well, it was all the same thing. I felt like that thing, whatever this is, whatever this, it came out of left field. Like I did not see this coming in this episode. Like I understand it's a hell mouth <laughs> and yeah. anything can come out of it. But this was like, there was no setup for this creature or what it is or what it's a manifestation of, right? Yeah, Did I, I mean, something? that's a good point. It does feel a little bit disjointed. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely no explanation of it, but Miss Calendar, when she's talking earlier with Giles and sort of like recounting everything that he had told her and he's kind of gathering weapons, she's like, so so the master's going to open the Hellmouth and then monsters are going to come out of it? So that's really the only, you know, kind of, I guess set up line set for up. it. Yeah. So they're, yeah. And I mean, he doesn't know. I don't know how you could know if there's like all kinds of different types of monsters. Like, I don't yeah. know how you could know what exactly is going to pop out, but it just felt yeah. like the one extra step where they're like, we already got a bunch of chaos happening. We yeah. got the master doing his thing over here. We got all the zombie vampires like coming in the doorways and stuff like let's up the ante one there's gotta be one more thing right well, comes in three gotta come out of the actual hellmouth. it's gotta come out like of that's this what they're saying hole, like he, so yeah. i i'm with you i don't think it needed to be this thing because it was yeah. so gross they could have dedicated a whole episode to this thing it would have been great they yeah. could have had like a like a bottle episode where they're stuck in the library and they can't get out and there's I don't this want thing a whole and it keeps getting dedicated in to this thing oh yeah I hear what you're saying, but I, <laughs> I sort of do and I don't. <laughs> but um, if you're going to do it, like do it right. Like yeah. give it a whole episode. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just felt like out of place. Yeah. I mean, I would have just rather it not be there at all in that case. But yeah. anyway. It was gross. So the master is standing on a balcony on top of Sunnydale High and he says, my world, my beautiful world. <laughs> he's so intense this episode. Yeah. Well, he's excited to get out. He's so you know. excited. He's been in quarantine for so long. I he's know. out and he's just like, yes. Years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine we would all look like that after 60 right? years. We would. Yeah. <laughs> Angel and Xander help Buffy up. They tell her that the master has gone up and they're worried that she's still weak from the bite. And she's like, no, I feel strong. I feel different. Let's go. And back at the library, vampires are trying to get in through the back windows. So Miss Calendar and Willow run up to barricade um, the windows with the bookcases. This is like on that second floor level. While Giles leaves Cordelia to close up his office. And a tentacle is creeping closer and closer to Willow's foot. A vampire breaks through the window and the library door and grabs Cordelia's arm and she screams. Then we cut to Buffy walking with purpose in front of Xander and Will- Xander and Angel and we've got the intro music theme playing over the scene. <laughs> yeah, this was a I huge I literally moment. whenever this happened I was like, "Yes!" I, I, was, like, I was so excited. So I pictured Sammy doing like jump kicks in her <laughs> living room while watching this. Like, yes, yes, yes. yes. 
<laughs> I wasn't because Dave and I were just like sitting on the couch watching it after probably having dinner or something, being in a food coma. Because I watched it twice. That's something that I'm that I'm doing now every episode. You're trying to watch them twice. I, I to, thought of it. Yeah. Because I'm like, if I only watch it and I'm taking notes the whole time, it's not like it's yeah. not a fun experience really. Like right. it's just it feels like work. So I watch it, watch once it again for, fun. for just pleasure. Yeah. And then I watch <laughs> it again to take all the notes. Yeah. So Xander asks how she knows where the master is going and Buffy's just like, I know. They approach a vampire by the school and what does Buffy say? I got it. What is it? I may be dead. Is this no, the no, no. Oh, okay. Crap. <laughs> ah! <laughs> she says, Oh, look, a bad guy. <laughs> and like punches him out or something and he just falls she tells angel and xander to guard the entrance to the roof as she goes up and she says one way or another this won't take long cordelia bites the vampire's arm and is like see how you like it which i kind of love <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just scrappy like, ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah she's very scrappy so yeah Definitely warming to Cordelia a little bit in these last two episodes. And the tentacle wraps around Willow's ankle, then around the railing and just like busts out, like fully busts out of the hell mouth. Three crazy heads, chomping teeth everywhere. I called it a three-headed, many-teethed worm-type demon because I don't yeah. know what the real thing is. I thought it looked like alien. Like what's the alien artist, Ge- Geiger? Yeah, yeah, you know, Geiger. like that kind of yep. vibe? Oh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it did feel like that. It's just kind of gross. Yeah. It's it pretty gross. Yeah. Buffy approaches the master and he's pissed off that she's not dead and he goes, "You're dead." Buffy says, "This is oh, the line pad. I, this is my cue. Uh, I may be dead, but I'm still pretty." Which is more than I can say for you. <laughs> oh, right. I missed the second part. <laughs> <laughs> and the master says, "You are destined to die. It was written." Buffy says, "What can I say? I flunked the written." And he tries his hypnosis stuff again. Then in the library, Miss Calendar and Willow are screaming for Giles, who comes up and hacks at the wormy tentacle demon. Where I fully threw up in my mouth. Oh, yeah. It was so gross. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. Uh. <laughs> this is where I wrote, the noises that the root nasty things make are disgusting. <laughs> yes. It's pretty gross. The master taunts Buffy, and then she looks at him and she says, you have fruit punch mouth. I wrote that one, too. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, that's a good one. It's one of my favorite lines from the show. It's just so silly. So many kids I remember growing up had fruit punch Yeah, mouth. exactly. Yeah. It was a real thing. And yeah, he's just kind of like, what? Yeah. So she uses- I wonder if that's a vestige of the past. How many kids have fruit punch mouth now? I feel like it was from know. like those hugs fruit punch, like the cheapo fruit punches that were like, you know, huge in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, you guys I mean, are the you ones have with kids. kids. Are they disgusting? Do they have fruit punch mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like the the new fruit punches they're not as stainy. Or they have like the straw, like the Capri Suns. Yeah, yeah, and it's like straws. juice boxes. No one's no kid is drinking a fruit right. punch out of like a, a little glass. Jug. But it really throws him off his game. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, huh? <laughs> and then she tells him to save the his- hypnosis crap for the tourists. And then yeah. fights ensue all around. Buffy's fighting the master angel and Xander are fighting vampires. Giles is fighting the tentacle demon. Buffy gets a hold of the master's neck and she's like, you're that amped about hell? Go there and tosses him behind her where he crashes through the sunroof atrium thing, whatever the it atrium. is, <laughs> over the library. This is such a great, like, I didn't even put it together, like, because I noticed the shots at the library early on in the episode yes. when we actually see the atrium and stuff. I'm like, wow, we've never actually seen 
the ceiling of this library. Yeah, so they're and sending knew you up that it was you a window. Know someone's gonna crash through that. It's like a die-hard moment, right? <laughs> yeah, and I totally didn't see it coming. Shows always surprise me like that. I'm yeah. just like, oh, how nice! Look at that nice atrium, and then there <laughs> and you go. here we go. Master is crashing it. through it, and he falls right onto. I mean, Buffy saw this, so that's why she tossed him over. Yeah. It. He falls right onto. It looks like a broken bookshelf. I can't remember exactly what it is. I think it's a bookshelf that like fell over and like. Cracked. It's like a piece of wood that's like cracked and broken, like a like a like a stake, yeah, so right? It's sticking right up like a stake. Um, so you know what I would call this? What? A stake lag tight. Oh God. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Are you sure that's, that's the good. bottom one? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, there used to be like a device yeah, like slag mites might and get slag you. tights are tight yeah. to the tight to the ceiling. Like, tight to the ceiling. <laughs> get back, <laughs> get to, you back on that. to me. On that dad joke. So yeah, he falls on it and begins to disintegrate into tiny little black I don't know, tiny balls of blackness that look a lot like so in our movie club we watched the green mile this week i don't know if you've watched well it's i don't know that's if you've watched no it yet i haven't yet. i didn't watch it yet this this week i've seen it before though so yeah that's exactly what yeah. i thought of when he disappears he flies away like a bunch of flies yeah so when yeah. john coffee have you seen the green mile kathleen yeah you know what that's when i saw really young as a kid in the theater and i was very sad like i cried through the whole movie i mean Mm -hmm. it's a very upsetting movie i cry through it as well even now as an adult because it's (laughs) very upsetting but yeah like when he when john coffee like heals something there's like this like black you know stuff that like comes out of his mouth and that's kind of what this reminded me of yeah. Um, and then the tentacle demon falls back into the hellmouth hole and the vampires disappear. Buffy enters the library with Angel and Xander behind her. Uh, they assess the damage gathering around the master skeleton. Giles informs them the hellmouth is closed. Buffy is in a bit of a daze and she just goes, oh, sorry, it's just been a really weird day. And Xander goes, yeah, Buffy died and everything. Willow says, wow, harsh. Giles says, I should have known that wouldn't stop you. They agree they need to get out of the library. Xander suggests going to the dance. Buffy says, sure, we saved the world. I say we party. I mean, I got all pretty. Buffy calls the master a loser, and they all exit, talking over (laughs) each other, and Angel compliments Buffy's dress. We look at the master skeleton one more time, and then that's They just leave the mess for the janitors. Yeah. They'll get this. (laughs) They're like, you know what? We'll leave this for another day. (laughs) Yeah, let's go party. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That is season one finale, Prophecy Girl. Do you have any trivia for this episode? I do. Let's hear it. All right. This is Joss Whedon's first turn as a writer and director for Buffy. Mm. Um, And this is his 10th favorite Buffy episode. 10th favorite? Yes. Interesting. Out of 144? Did he rank them all? uh, I don't know. That's got to be an arduous duty. I'll have to go back and try to find the article. (laughs) Okay. Allison Hannigan claims that there are two versions filmed of the scene where she and Cordelia discover the room full of bodies. A tamer version for American audiences and a bloodier one to be shown in Europe. So imagine that scene even bloodier. Wow. Huh. And then originally another sign of the impending apocalypse was going to be stones raining down on Sunnydale High, but it was cut out due to budget costs. Hmm, that would have been cool. Yeah. They could have just done it digitally, like 
they did a few other times. Yeah, but then, you know, you would have been like, what the hell is this? (laughs) 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 This looks terrible. Unless they intentionally did it terribly like Beetlejuice. Like Beetlejuice had the foresight to know this is going to look bad, so let's really make it look bad. That's a good point. That's very true. Yeah. Let's pre-age it yeah. and just make it fine. That's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the tentacle demon at the end was created from tentacle costumes. So each tentacle actually had a person in it manipulating it. The exchange at the end where Buffy, uh, where Angel tells um, Buffy that she that he likes her dress was actually added in production and not in the original script. So that was an ad-libbed part. You know, that... That line did feel funny to me. Really? I was like, what is going on here? Like, I mean, I get that the dress could be a metaphor, but it just felt like a little too a little too heavy-handed. I don't know, something about it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like Angel telling her that he liked it or her saying it was a big hit with everyone? Just so much attention being brought to it. Like just being so explicit about mm. it. About you know, the dress. or so obvious, yeah. and then and then as they're walking away, it is interesting though because as they're walking away out of the library, you also notice that Angel is in a tuxedo. I didn't notice that. Oh, is he? No, it's like a full-on tuxedo with like a white collar. Uh, oh, wow! And then she's in the dress. Hang on, I'm going to share my screen with you guys so that you can dance. see this. Yeah. Because it really does kind of. Um, oh yeah. Feel wedding-ish. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's Well, isn't that kind of like what he wears uh, in the earlier episodes? Like, that's sort of his, that's like his costume. That's his look. Yeah. Like, I feel like, Perhaps. I feel like it was a, um, a velvet, a the velvet black jacket that he's worn before. That's what it looks like. It has a little bit of a sheen yeah. to it. But still, still regardless, very, you fancy. see them at the end walking away and they look like they're going to a wedding right. in which Theirs. they will be marrying each other. Yeah. That's true. That is a yeah. good point. Oh. Yeah. Interesting visual. And so then I wondered if him saying, I like your dress was a way to like really point that out. Yeah. To be like, look, they look like they're about to get yeah. married. Yeah. Maybe it's foreshadowing like they're going to get married or something. Maybe you'll just have to put that in your predictions. Well played. <laughs> Both of you did really good there. <laughs> I legitimately don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's like me too. Whenever I, she makes predictions for loss, I'm like, mm. yeah, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> One way or the other, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, and it's so funny because I was emailing with Sammy and I was like, hey, I was checking on an earlier episode to see if a thing happened that I remembered happening. And she's like, nope, not until season Three episode whatever yeah. season two <laughs> i was like how do you remember did you just google that or super do you fan have it filed away? I... super fan no kids her brain's not <laughs> melted yet <laughs> yeah super fan no kids <laughs> <laughs> so i just kind of looked up like what the reception was of mm-hmm. the season and rotten tomatoes gave season one a score of 92 percent which i feel like it would not have <laughs> Been given that today. <laughs> this seemed like a short season for was, yeah. TV shows. Was that the norm in no, the 90s? No, it was a mid-season a of... replacement. What's that? What do you mean? So it was um it there was basically a show that was ending mid-season. So Buffy mm-hmm. replaced like it, was it. Yeah, it was like canceled. So Buffy replaced it mid-season. Joss Whedon um, interviewed for Empire said of season one. In season one, we found that we had a show that people liked. 
I really thought people were going to laugh at the Buffy Angel thing and say, well, he's a vampire. This is so hokey. But they couldn't get enough of it. It definitely made me realize the soap opera aspect of it. A continuing story of the romance and the people and their emotions was really what was fascinating. The monsters were all very well and good, but in the first season, we were like, let's take our favorite horror movies and turn them into high school stories. So that kind of gets at like a couple of things, like the idea of, you know, we don't see a whole lot of like the Buffy Angel dynamic um, in this first season. He's kind of yeah. like, we see it, a, you know, we, we see like a little bit of like flirting, whatever. And then there's like a whole lot, obviously, an angel. And then he just kind of right. disappears. There's like one episode and like two or three cameos. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think because, you know, obviously he's like, people are probably going to think this is weird. And then we realized like people were really into the idea of that. It's also interesting that this was the first episode that he wrote and directed. And this is the episode. So coming back to the Vanity Fair article Mm -hmm. to be a true Buffy fan, do you need to skip season one? I am of the yes persuasion. I think that you (laughs) could start with season two go through the whole thing and then come back to season Mm. one okay and appreciate it a little bit more i do think that in this last episode it starts to find its voice and it starts to become the buffy that i know and remember a little bit more and i wonder if it does have something to do with his creative control and maybe what he learned through the first 12 episodes and the first season of anything kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah, because it's like the show is trying to find its footing. You're trying to get the characters to be realized as to who they are, what their motivations are, how they connect with each other, figuring out the chemistry. And then usually by if it's a good show, season two, season three, that's usually the best seasons of the shows. For all yeah. my favorite shows, those are always the best seasons. Yeah, that's how I feel about Buffy for sure. I do hope that we get uh, the a good amount of silliness, though, because I that is the thing that I love about Buffy yeah. a lot is the amount of silliness and the quips and the stupid jokes here and there and how some of the episodes are just so filled with that dialogue that's just ridiculous and dad jokey yeah i mean i like that stuff that's what makes buffy (laughs) buffy though so like that's not gonna go away but you're gonna have except there's one season where that does go away and it's that's true undoubtedly the worst season yeah and it broke all of our hearts so but you've got a while okay (laughs) that Mm. is true do we have any more thoughts about season one no i was just gonna ask you what your favorite episode was from season one Uh, mine is angel Hands oh, down. of course. That was an easy one. <laughs> Hands down. Although I, re- yeah, I love I this episode for the adultness of it. If I'm like only watching one episode for season one, it would be Angel. I also like how this episode solidifies the crew. Yeah. And Cordelia is now in the fold, clearly. Yeah, yeah she's in Like it. they're all walking out together. Yeah. So she's definitely in on all the nonsense of the hell mouth. Yeah. So she's, she's going to be. She's lived through some stuff with them now. So she's like. She has be in. been initiated. <laughs> yeah. She's initiated. She is part of this Scooby gang. For Whether sure. she wants to be or not. <laughs> yeah. She's in. She's the anointed one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I can't wait for you to see later episodes. I almost named my son after a Buffy character. Oh, wow. I can't say what it is because it's a spoiler. So what's your favorite episode, Kathleen? Was it also Angel? Were you agreeing with me? Or do you have another one? Yeah, I agree with you. What about you, Pat? It's going to seem like an odd choice. It's the pork and beans episode. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that is not what I was gonna guess. I don't know why that one. <laughs> Never for kill me, a boy on the first date. Yeah, just it was. It was. You ridic- love Borba. Had, I love Borba. I love the pork and beans part. <laughs> I love the chase through the cadaver drawer area, the morgue. And uh, Owen was just this like ditzy football player. Oh no, he, he wasn't, wasn't a football, a football player. player. That's that's something I put off put upon his character. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just I don't know. I don't know. There's something about that I I hold fondly in my heart. <laughs> so Pat, what are your season yeah. two predictions? Oh, I really should have wrote some down, huh? Oh my God, Pat! Every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode. <laughs> All right, season two predictions. Yeah. I'm just gonna do them on the fly. We'll do them live. Okay. All right. Xander will continue to get friend zoned. <laughs> yep. I don't think he's going to give up his pursuit of Buffy, although he should. Willow and Xander will not get together until the very end of the series, maybe. Not so this is beyond season 2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's farther down the road, okay? Okay. I feel like after this episode, they are trying to set up Miss Calendar and Giles to be a thing possibly. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little worried about that because in the past you have said you sure. don't like that. You don't want that. I just <laughs> you said like... I don't want it to happen because I won't like it or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like she's not good enough for him. Okay, not my Giles. Oh. Um, Why isn't she good enough for him? I don't know. I just feel I don't feel the chemistry. You're not very yet, protective of her of Giles. I am. Yeah, nobody's good enough <laughs> for Giles. But you want him to be with somebody. <laughs> He's got to be with somebody. Okay. But he needs a friend. He definitely needs a friend. Okay. So Giles will not get a friend in season two. So um, then what's your prediction with Miss Calendar? <laughs> is there is that going to happen or no? I feel like they're going to try to force a relationship somehow. Okay. I'm worried about that, but I don't want it to happen. But I think it might. I feel like it might. Okay. Can I toe the line on that? <laughs> it might you, it might happen. It might not. Is that a good prediction? No. That's a terrible okay. prediction. <laughs> All right, fine. Kathleen, you be the judge. Is that a good prediction <laughs> or a bad prediction? I like it. Thank you, Kathleen. I like a good, they might, they might often. not. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with Buffy in season two? Buffy is going to fawn over Angel, but there's still going to be this tension where they can't quite get together so he's going to come in and out of her life as she continues to cycle through some possible boyfriends like owen who do you think the big bad is going to be what's that's a great question i was trying to think of that myself i was like okay if the master's gone who's the big bad going to be Mm -hmm. i have no idea because there's not even a hint to it it could be colin could be mini me because he saunters away so maybe colin does something i don't know if he becomes the big bad that would be kind of cool but i think he like big little bad big little bad finds like a like another father fig figure of some sort <laughs> and he, he spawns him out of the blood well and he's like ah rise father ah. something like that all right cool yeah that's it okay that's all that's you it got that's all i got yeah okay yeah all right. What else? What else are we all watching, reading, and listening to? Okay. So funny enough, I'm reading a book called The Historian, which is about Dracula. Oh, cool. Oh. Is it any good? It is a slog oh. to get through. It was. I read on my Kindle, so I always know how I'm going in a book, like through percentages. I'm about eighty percent through, and it was like a twenty-hour long read. Oh. 
and I'm 80% through. And I'm at the point now where I'm just kind of tapping through pages, just trying to like skim and wait for the parts that I want to read. It's it's very like historical fiction-y without a lot of the drama that I need to stay hooked yeah. in. And then other than that, I'm watching The Crown right now. Crown mania. Everybody's yeah. watching The Crown. What it was is um, the chess show, Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I just finished that. Okay, so I watched that. It was phenomenal. So and good. so then I feel like after that I just wanted more like beautiful cinematography. I so I thought the crown was a good next step. That's what everybody's trying to get me hooked in with. They're yeah. like, you have to watch the crown. The cinematography will blow your mind. And I'm big on cinematography. I'm like, okay, I should get into that. But the whole royal thing, it's not it's not grabbing my attention. Yeah. I don't know if that would be But neither for did you. chess and Queen's Gambit was awesome. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I still haven't seen that, but I Gotta am also watching The Crown. Oh, well, then I don't. I'm trying not to tell people who haven't seen The Queen's Gambit how good it is because I don't. I hate hyping something up. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, I guess. Yeah. Because I guess if you go into it thinking like what I thought was like, it's a show about chess. How good can it be? Mm-hmm. And then when you watch it, you're like, oh, OK, that's why. It's just you just got to see it. Yeah. And even the first episode of Queen's Gambit, I was kind of like, I can't. I uh, yeah, the first episode doesn't. There's so many you. shows I've given up on this yeah. year after one episode. If I can't get hooked in, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, I'm actually just rewatching a lot of stuff. That whole idea of like rewatching things you've already seen being comforting. Like that's that's the place I'm in now. What are you rewatching? Well, I am trying to watch The Crown. I just love so much more the like Elizabethan era and the Tudors, that I'm just not as into, like, the more modern crown stuff. So that's been that's been harder for me to, like, really get into. And I had watched it through, like, halfway through season two and then tried, tried like, picking up where I left off recently. And I was just like, I don't know who anybody is anymore. I got to start this all over again. So I've made it maybe, like, halfway through season one at this point. Um and just like I don't know it's just too serious for me sometimes like sometimes I just need something I will say I don't know what's going on half the time yeah you really have to watch subtitles and not because there's like jump scares or anything like that but it's just like there's so much information and there's so many people it's like a little like Game of Thrones but not as fun it is like a Game of Thrones yeah Speaking of Game of Thrones, so I keep waiting for someone to get like murdered. Yeah, <laughs> or, whenever I first started watching The Crown, I was like, what's going to happen? Forgetting that it's not. Yeah. Well, that's why I, I like mean, the tutor so much more because it's like he's got to get through six wives <laughs> and everybody's getting thrown in the tower and everything. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's more my speed. I don't know what that says about me as a person, but. <laughs> You're dark. I'm really Your grandma dark. did it to you. Yeah, it's my grandma's fault. <laughs> Damn yeah. it, grandma. Um, so I've also been watching Gilmore Girls, just like rewatching it. I don't know why. <laughs> just like threw on an episode and I was like, oh, this is so comforting. <laughs> um, I just read Who Fears Death, which is kind of like an African futurism Ooh, book hmm. and very fantasy. And so that's kind of gotten me into a place where I think I can read fantasy. But I'm also kind of digging some like, World War Two spy stuff. Oh. I used to never be into historical fiction. Yeah. But this year, 
I love reading stuff about plagues now. <laughs> That's so random. I love a good plague book. <laughs> I don't have any suggestions on plague books for you. That's pretty much it. What about you, Pat? I watched Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie. Oh. Because you haven't watched enough Christopher Nolan movies this year. <laughs> I know. We've watched them all because of our movie club. But yeah, no, I really wanted to see it because it's like one of the only movies that came out in the theater this year, but I didn't venture out into the corona to go see it. So I was really excited when it came out on Blu-ray, but I had heard a lot of mixed reactions to the movie. Mm -hmm. Some people really loved it, and some people were just super confused by it and said that the dialogue was horrible. Hmm. So I was like, oh, this is divisive. This is interesting. So I went to rent it digitally, and you can't rent it digitally until January, which I was really bummed about. So I had to venture out to the red box and get the old (laughs) Blu-ray, old trusty (laughs) Blu-ray coming in for the win. So we watched that over the weekend, and uh, it's something to see. I can't say if I like it or I don't like it. I think I like it, but it's so confusing because it's Nolan with his weird narrative structures, and it's. But it is. It's an experience. I think you should see it. Before we get into our outro, let's just thank our guest Kathleen for being on this podcast. We're super happy to have you here yes you added so much to this episode so thanks for taking well thanks for having me i will talk buffy any day don't say that i will take you yeah because she will cash in (laughs) whenever she can um where can where can people find you kathleen i am on instagram at and kathleen and then braidcreative.com awesome thanks so much and if they sign up for braid creative emails they'll get They'll get messages from you. Sometimes. You just get what you get. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, I'm on the Being Boss podcast and all the archives, yeah. including episode so check that with out me, too. episode 117. Yeah, which was so fun. I love talking to you about Flora Apothecary. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate us five stars. Leave us a review if you have the time. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at KickStreamPod. And send emails, but please no spoilers, to KickStreamPod at gmail.com. And you can also check out show notes for this and every episode at KickingStreaming.com. Awesome. Well, thanks, Kathleen. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And remember, streaming is always better. With friends. With friends.